Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Hunt, Hike, Train podcast. Thank you very much for listening to us today. Um, depending on the platform that you are on, go ahead and click that like, subscribe, and of course, comment. We'd love to hear what you guys have to say. But also check us out on all your social media platforms, um, facebook.com, Instagram. We've got a lot of pictures on there. Until then, enjoy the podcast and have a great rest of your day. You all right? I can. Perfect. You? I can hear. All right, your turn this time. Welcome back to the Hunt, Hike, Train podcast. I've got Aaron with me today and Mr. Gregory Roth. Is your actual name Gregory? That's my actual name, but that's, we're not going to go That's the name on the driver's <laughs> license. Mr. Greg Roth is a very good family friend of ours. Um, you are all over the place when it comes to your hunting, which is why we wanted to bring you in here today. You have a place out in Wyoming, which we're definitely going to go over. Um, your basement is definitely something. Actually, not even your basement. Your house in general has a lot of uh, animals all over it, so we should probably go over that a little bit too. Um, but overall, we just wanted to pick your brain. I know you went on an elk hunt this year, right? Do yes. You do both? Actually, both. Um, where my place is in Wyoming, we just hunt. Just It's all national forest right across the street. So elk hunted and deer hunted this year and antelope hunted. Okay, so <laughs> so pretty much okay. So we got a lot to talk about yeah. then. So really, we just want to know what happened. Well, um, let's like, start with who Greg is, what he does. Let's do that yep. so we get a little background. So Greg, where, where are you from? What do you do for a living? Well, from Michigan. Um, Back about probably 25, 30 years ago, actually, I got a job as a sales rep for a importer that um, brought in crafts and um, junk from China. Okay. And I was at, actually in construction before that, laid block and brick, and you did all the fun um, jobs. Decided to try to use my brain instead of my back for a while. And yep. Anyways, long story. I worked with those guys for for 10 years and then started my own company had it based up in emily city okay and um and for the last five years um actually we closed that company started another company and um been doing this company now for the last five or six years it's called whiskey mountain it's a um wholesale company and we basically do home decorations okay and also have a little store right here in oxford called sage home decor and you guys just moved recently Yes, we were just north of um, Drainer, and now we're just about three blocks south of the light. How's everything going at the store? Really, really good. Really like good. location a little bit better? Oh, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Is it a bigger yeah. storefront, too? It's a much nicer storefront. I thought the one um, north of Drainer was going to be a nice, a nice location because of the parking and everything, but the traffic was just moving too fast back that, that much farther south of town, and um, everybody just blew by us and... That's yeah, like that's us. like right at that point too, where it starts to really open up traffic there. So coming in or going out, I can see yep. that. Yeah, and this is a much better location just because of the other storefronts. There's other businesses right there. There's about six different businesses. So. Right, all right along that side. Yep. yep. Okay. Good. What kind of? Uh, I know. I know you guys have your Facebook page, which is Sage Home Decor. Right? Yes. Um, is it like? I know that you have like the like the furniture, like your end tables and your kitchen tables and stuff like that. But do you guys have like furniture, like couches? And no, no, okay. no. And kind of how this store thing got started. We've we've always been wholesale, and it's Christmas decorations mainly, but a lot of farm decorations, um, things like that. And I started importing furniture from Indonesia. It's all handmade. It's 100% mahogany. 
and I was going to start wholesaling this to other furniture stores. And just before I got started doing that, I was looking around and there's really nothing like this in the area. So just decided to open up our own store and sell it um, direct to the public at wholesale prices. So that's kind of what we're doing over here. Nothing wrong with that at all. Nice. Yeah. And that probably fuels the fire for all the hunting, huh? <laughs> to some extent. <laughs> to some extent, yeah. <laughs> How often do you go out west to your place in Wyoming? I am actually in Wyoming now probably about five months out of the year. No so shit. So spend about quite a bit of time out there. And so how long have you had the place out there? We bought it in 202, so 18 years. Okay. Okay. Did you, did you build it, the, the property on it? No, actually, it actually, I, well, I started hunting in Montana in 1985. And I started whitetail hunting there. Uh, a good friend of mine moved there in 83 and got a job on a big cattle ranch. It was about a 30,000 acre cattle ranch. And I always wanted to go out west hunting. I just gave him a call one day and says, hey, you know, can you set me up or just, you know, give me some names, give me some right. areas where I could go out, go out hunting. He says, well, just come out here and you can hunt right here on the ranch. <laughs> so that was, in, you know. that was in 85 and um, really opened my eyes up to a different kind of whitetailing hunting. I always hunted here in Michigan and, mm -hmm. you know, it's always, been, you know, been the first, first buck you see. You know that type of thing we got out there i'll i'll never forget it um first day out there i think we counted um 22 bucks that were uh eight eight point or better what was that all just unbelievable we were seeing we were seeing anywhere from 15 to 20 bucks a day and i just absolutely cannot believe the difference in the, um, seeing the bucks out there versus what I would see in Michigan. Isn't that crazy? And they're probably all like 120-inch plus eight points, too. Well, the, you know, they weren't huge. When I say I see, you know, 20 bucks, not all of them would have been shooters. But, right. I mean, they have been shooters in Michigan. Right. But, but it was just incredible the amount of um, deer out there. And hunted out there probably for about 15 years, whitetail hunting, yeah. till about 85, till about 2000. Maybe what changed. Well, the, really, the whole atmosphere out there changed. When, when I first started hunting out there in 85, you would go up to a... We hunted on the ranch, obviously, but there was a lot of neighboring ranches. And you would go up to a ranch and tell them that you wanted a whitetail hunt, and they would laugh at you. they say, you're going to waste a tag on a whitetail? You know, shoot, all, shoot as many as you want. Whitetails were nuisance animals to, oh, them, really? to the people out there. They were... It would be like somebody. Um, it would be like somebody around here asking if you could go shoot woodchucks or mm -hmm. possums or something. They hated them. You could you could basically whitetail hunt anywhere you wanted, and they were running all over the place. It, um, a lot of river bottom hunting. Mm -hmm. And over the years, a couple things happened. You know, ranches started breaking up, getting subdivided, because as I was mentioning, all the places we were hunting, it wasn't up in the mountains and stuff. It was all the river bottoms, the right. lowlands and stuff, and that was kind of the places that were getting chopped up. So that happened to a few of our spots, but the biggest thing that happened is the outfitters moved in, right. started uh -huh. leasing the land, and all of a sudden all the ranchers found out that these whitetails were worth money. Mm -hmm. And uh, within, you know, by 95, that, that all pretty much all turned around, and then all of a sudden it was really difficult to find us, you know, just like around here. It went all from fair chase yeah. to 
Well, it's still you fair know, chase, but it's money. yeah, it's it's a guy being a nice guy and saying, "Yeah, go do whatever you want." To a guy realizing, "Hey, I can make a pretty penny yeah. if I let somebody lease this." And I don't blame him, you know. No, I mean, you know, outfitters were coming in and saying, "You know, we'll lease your land," and you know, so there was another form of income for him. And yeah. actually, I ended up leasing land out there. We, um, the area that I was hunting in was just north of Livingston, and we found a rate a ranch up in Lewistown, just by some friends down there north of Lewistown. It was actually up on the Missouri River okay. and the Missouri Breaks. And this was a 50,000-acre ranch and full of deer, whitetail, antelope. And what we were able to do is we rented all of the hunting rights for 15000 a year. But we found 10 other guys that wanted to hunt there much before we went in. Mm-hmm. We charged them $1,500 a piece, basically paid for the paid for the whole thing and we yeah. went in they always wanted to get there right at opening day which right. was i believe around the first of november and we always like to go they run it about the same time out there as they run here okay right around thanksgiving maybe a little bit later out there but we'd always want to go out there during the rut so those guys were all done hunting so makes sense had that place for a couple of years then we also then i also leased about a ten thousand acre ranch in hewlett wyoming which is northeast wyoming okay now, was that still whitetail? Or? Yep, that was all okay. whitetail also. And um, really kind of got bucked out of that place. We were supposed to have exclusive rights to that place and found out later that he didn't. He gave about three or four other people exclusive rights. So oh, <laughs> we, all, we all had exclusive rights to hunt at different times, but we were all told that we, had, we were the only ones hunting on his ranch I was gonna say, for about the whole season. 10,000 acres, how long did it take you to find the other guys or whatever? Well, actually, how I found out is we would – we normally went out Thanksgiving, and mm-hmm. that's when we told them we were going to be coming out. And I w- went out there for an early trip for some reason. I says, hey, I want to come by and just kind of scout out the area for, you, yeah. for a few days. Just want to let them know I was there like the first week of November. And he's kind of fumbled around a little bit, and he says, oh, sorry, um, I got other hunters out. You can't come. Oh, nice. He says, other hunters? He says, yeah, well, you just had exclusive rights for that week, and yeah, which, so he, which he do Yeah, and now so. he changes, yeah. So anyways, um, but getting back to my place in Wyoming, uh, I found this area, um, snowmobiling. There's a place uh, probably about 40 miles from where our house is that's a big um, snowmobile lodge. Okay. And went out there probably for about three years in a row, and, but we were going out there two or three times a year and met a lot of people out there and ended up finding this place. Okay. So. And now what kind of acreage is the house on? Or Well, the, the piece of property I own is seven acres. And actually for the area that I'm at right there is a large piece of property. Okay. I have um, Shoshone National Forest is right across the street, and I'm the last house on the county road. So it's a pretty unique situation. I'm about 10 miles up, up the, off the highway, up into the mountains. I'm on a county road that stays plowed. I have water, electric, better internet service there than I do here. Oh, no kidding. At, at my house in Oakland County. Well, your house here and is kind of in the middle of the boonies. Yeah. <laughs> no, but no, that's wrong true. with that. <laughs> but um, it, I just walk across the street, and I think Shoshone National Forest is about two and a half million acres. Then it goes into Bridger Teton National Forest, and that's another, I think, three million acres or so. So, anyways, there's. Um, there's a little bit of acreage there for yeah. you. If I go across the street, I don't hit private, across the street from my house, just across the road, I don't hit private land again for about 45 miles. <laughs> and then it's 
So it's so, almost like having your giant yeah. chunk of own property. And it's property about there. it's about seventy miles either direction. So you said you meeting up with people. It just happenstance. It was the property was for sale at some time, or somebody says, yeah, "Hey, at, this over here would be a good spot for you." It was what? actually um, some friends of ours that we had met up there, kind of got um, close with okay. him and his wife that I snowmobiled with. We took a trip to Las Vegas, and I started talking about property, and I showed him a few places I was looking at, and he happened to know about this place and told me about it. And um, just that's how it happened. Well, yeah. that's great, friends. Yep. And yeah. uh, uh, how long have you owned it for? Since two or two. Have you? How many? Uh, so that's Wyoming. I know yep. you because like, I know Travis was out hunting out there too, right? This year. Yeah, he this went year. out actually last year and this year. How many yep. different animals have you shot since from that? We'll say property from the. Well, uh, <clears throat> I haven't shot any uh, any bulls, and. Main reason is is um, I really haven't ap- applied for the tag. I've I've always applied for the um, the late season cow tag mm-hmm. because I've shot in a couple bulls, and really my priority now is just to get out get out in the woods yep. and have fun. And um, I like the taste of cow meat. The cows better than the rutting bulls. Hey. So yeah. you know I got I got two bulls mounted, and that's really all I. You know, obviously if I. Um, if I was out bow hunting and I had a choice between a bull and a and a cow, yeah, which, a little different story. Which that that opportunity has um, stopped me from getting cows at least three or four times <laughs> because I was trying to get a bull. But um, mainly I'm um, just out there cow hunting, and that's a it's a draw tag for um, late season November, and um, I've shot probably. Between me and people that have come out there and visited me, we've probably shot about uh, seven or eight elk in the last 10 years. Do you just typically walk right out from your house, or do you, like, drive? So you do, yeah, it's, <laughs> there's, no, there's no real yeah. movement from there. No, it's, in fact, probably half of the elk that we've shot, we've um, gotten my tractor and drove across the street and picked them up with a scoop <laughs> <laughs> and brought them home and hung them up. So we're not really roughing it too much where we're at. But I was going to be my next question is if people are backpacking. But there, there is a, there's not really backpackers where we're, we're specifically, when I say where I'm at, I'm saying within 10 miles. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's a lot of campers. It's forest service roads and stuff. So there's, there is quite a few hunters up there, and it's getting more and more every year. Oh, yeah, certain to, yeah. Yeah, it's. It's it's totally different than it was ten years ago. Well, the, good the traffic. and bad. You know, I, you say, I can see that for sure. Especially, it seems like it depends on who you ask. Some people mm-hmm. say there's less hunters. Some people say there's more. I, I tend to think, at least from what I've been seeing, there's it's growing. But maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. But especially in that regard, you know, if you, if it's good area and if there's that much of land that close to you know a county yeah. road or whatever, I mean, I can see why there's yeah, a ton it's, of people. Yeah, it's, it's very easy access. Um, the early seasons, you're the, all the forest se- service roads are still open. Yep. So um, there's quite a few, but there's there's a lot of campers, a lot of tents, and then you don't have to go very far. You have to go probably, excuse me, probably, probably as a crow flies, 25 miles, and then you're hitting wilderness boundaries and getting into more, you know, deeper country. Yeah. Well, if somebody's trying to backpack, I mean, 25 mile stretch is a pretty good size. Well, I'm saying you could drive 20 feet. Right. If you're, if you're driving, you could, you could go on a four wheeler from my house and, and hit wilderness in about a, uh, about an hour four wheeler. Okay. Hmm. So what, so you said the wrong states. Yeah. (laughs) So you said typically, so elk this year, you did an elk antelope and a deer all this year. Yeah. Yep. I had um, all th- all three tags, and it didn't 
didn't score on, on the elk. And actually, this was pretty um, pretty slow year for elk hunting for me. Okay. We went out the the early season tag that I drew begins September 1st. Mm -hmm. They normally start rutting in that area, start bugling around the second or third in kind of in that area and really start getting hot around the fifth or sixth norm in normal conditions right from the house oh yeah all the time you can just sit on the deck and hear them across the street <laughs> it's it's um it's really cool to sit by the campfire and hear them at night bugling yeah that'd be neat <laughs> didn't but, cut you off the Oscars. no but um this year we had we didn't see a cloud for the first uh, when i say we i was hunting with my son travis yep we didn't see a cloud for the first seven days of the hunt and it was probably 80 degrees every oh, day wow. just my the grass turned into straw and it was super hot and um very bright start bright stars every night we were hunting there's a couple wallows across the street from our house hunting those and um just really there was just no activity well it makes sense if it's that freaking hot they're yeah. just i mean in that in that regard they're like people they don't want to move around anymore than they have to especially if there was bright at night they can mm -hmm. do all their wandering then Yep. Just a lot like what deer do here. Yeah. That's a, I'm still just trying to put my whole head around this whole entire bugling thing around the campfire. <laughs> I don't know. I, was, I got real stuck on that one. I'm sorry. Oh, well, it, it's really an amazing spot. Um, I had looked at um, houses in different areas and actually just kind of got this by accident. Like I said, snowmobiling. But um, we have generally, we're out there probably um, six weeks in the winter. And there's moose sitting in the front yard, laying around in the front yard you, almost every day. Are you going back out there for, like, the holidays? Yeah, yeah. yeah I we'll was going because I know I caught at your house the other day that when you guys come back, you guys are doing your, your deer cut. I'm like, yes. well, where's he yep. going? <laughs> so that makes sense. Yep, yep. We, we all the kids, um, for the last couple of years, we've all kind of drove out there and had a week for the holidays. Nice. So, That's pretty nice. Yep. So if you just see me pop up, just like. <laughs> yeah, go home. That's <laughs> what, what I would say, too. The other way. Well, the plan is to build another cabin on my property starting next year, so we'll have a little more room. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> so that was September. September was the elk hunt. And then how do your antelope, and you said the deer hunt's usually later on in November or somewhere in there? Yes. So since I drew the, the, the September bow tag, mm -hmm. I couldn't. Um, you can only, you can you can actually get up to three tags okay. in different um, seasons out there. Same species or different species? Well, the big stipulation is you can only draw one tag that you can shoot a bull. So I the the early season elk tag that I drew, which was for September, you can get bull or a cow. Oh, see. But okay. since but since I got that one, then you could get a bull. I couldn't apply for the general season which is in October, and then the late season, November cow tag, is just getting, it used to be you could just um, buy them in, you know, over the counter, they had leftover tags, and you could just buy them in July, August, mm -hmm. and now you have to apply right away, and it's, um, I haven't got the cow tag in the last three years. Really? So, I never, we never asked this, so you said you're out there for about five months, but what is your, your residency is still here, still in Michigan? Mm -hmm. Okay, so just to make but, sure. But, um, I'm going back and forth. I'm not out there for like five months or right, months yeah, at a time. Course. It's probably the longest longest stretch I'll be out there is like three three weeks to three and a half weeks. Okay, okay. So, so I w didn't get a chance to elk hunt again after the mm -hmm. after that hunt. I did have a mule deer tag, and um, 
seen really nothing mule deer hunting. And the antelope season was also, well, we were out there in October. So it was later in the season. I think antelope season closes around the 22nd of October where okay. we're at. And we got out there the beginning of October and we got a major snowstorm and all, all the antelope just, they, where we're at, they're up in the high country. Mm -hmm. It's it's a big pass right up above about seven miles north up the mountain, or I should say south of our house. And as soon as the snow came, They're all gone. The, the antelope just disappeared. They dumped off the mountains and it was really just a, a fluke thing. I was walking around deer hunting and we seen a couple antelope. So. Nice. So this whole entire year was just all over the place for you then. Yeah, it went from being too hot to being too cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you had uh, no snow, or I'm sorry, no rain, no snow during elk hunt. Everything's dried out and burnt. And then you have snow during antelope, which was technically before the elk hunt, right? Oh, no, no, no. Antelope no. was no. after. Yeah, yep. antelope would have been after. Jeez. Yep. So like, and then yeah. tip, so typically for your deer, or for your deer hunt late season. The, the deer hunt, the, the general season is in october for, okay. for the deer okay. hunting in my area and it, the the elk are a little they're they're tougher to get when they're not um when the rut's not going for right. the, for the mule deer they're they stay pretty secretive and it's a pretty tough hunt unless you get into a um, really mountainous area and i really haven't spent that much time um, looking for mule deer so most of my hunting was just on my kind of my normal areas where I elk mm -hmm. hunted and really didn't see too much. But if you're, they do have a late season mule deer tag where I'm at. They they give out about 80 tags and about 5,000 people apply for it. It's just unbelievable. But at that time of the year, about this time of the year right now, maybe about a week ago, there's um, big mule deer buck just walking all around, really? all over the place. They, they totally lose all of their fear of anything. And and just in case anybody's wanting for reference, we're recording this. I'm not sure when this is going to release, but it's like the beginning of December right now, December fourth, yeah. right? Yeah. So they're, they're running about the same time as the white tail right. do but around here. Now they're calming down, coming off of everything, and they're just like, all right, I'll just go wander around, check everything out, see what's going on, relax for a little bit. Yeah, it's it's just really an incredible sight when we're out there for Thanksgiving. So you said you and Travis. Is there do you usually have another group of buddies that go with you, or is it mainly just the two of you, or? Just Travis and I have been elk hunting the last couple of years. Okay. Before that, I was doing quite a bit of elk hunting with with my bow just on my own. Mm -hmm. I would go out there and just spend a little time just walking around by myself. It's a little bit t trickier doing it by yourself. Right. Um, but And then as far as having a group of guys with me, that would always be for the November hunt for, um, for the cows. And okay. that's a rifle hunt, and that's... Um, Really, it's it's just kind of a pure luck thing, just right. walking around in the snow, you know, driving around and then seeing you kind of go after them. They're they're kind of they're usually moving around in November, starting to come down the mountain, and um, it's it's a whole different hunt than a than a bow. Well, hunting. yeah, that makes a lot of sense if you're up in a higher elevation about that later mm -hmm. time of the year when you're getting a bunch of snow. They're not going to want to be up there kicking around any more than they have to be. Right, want right. to be down in the lower areas where they can actually get around a little bit. Yep. Yep. Are there actual are there whitetail in your area too? There are down when I say at the as I mentioned before, you have to drive about ten miles up the mountain from the highway. Yeah. And down on the highway the Wind River goes through 
right in that area where that, along the road there, and there's, um, yeah, a lot of whitetail. So your elevations, what's your elevation at your place? My elevation's about uh, 8,500 feet. Okay, yeah, so they'd be a little Yeah, high. so you're up a little ways. But they are starting to move up. We've, we are starting you, down in the bottom. If you're on the highway and you're driving along the river, it's kind of common to see them, and they're mixing up with the mule deer down there. Yeah. But we are, we've never, over the last three or four years, we're starting to get glimpses of them coming up higher and higher. Oh, Actually, really? somebody told me this year that they had a white tail in their yard up on the top of the hill where we were at. No kidding. But I haven't seen one yeah, up that that's high. That's a little high for a white tail. I know mm-hmm. like you'll see you're more likely to see a mule deer in the flats than you are to see a white tail in the mountains. Oh, I mean, yeah. typically, yeah. Yeah, so it's yep. like kind of interesting to yep. see them even going yep. that high. So what do you so you mentioned as far as the game that you would be able to hunt. So what as far as predators in that area, bears, mountain lion, anything along those lines or Yeah, that's the the predators are really changing everything out there right now at least in our area so which one particularly well actually both we're my place is about probably 20 to 25 miles south of the grand teton national park entrance okay it would be that's a little town called moran and that's probably about 30 or 40 miles west of jackson hole so so i'm just outside of the park okay and uh the wolves have have had a, a tremendous impact on the on the wildlife out there. The um, um, I really don't know where to begin. Obviously, everybody knows about them planting them in yep. Yellowstone yep. Um, years ago, and and there was a an overpopulation of elk in in Yellowstone. That's and which in, I get it makes but, sense, but but really what happened was the big problem with with that the wolves are causing is they. Over time, after they planted over about 10 years, they reached their numbers where they, they, their target numbers where they said when they reached these target numbers when they originally planted them that um, they would take them off the endangered species list mm-hmm. and start managing. You know, each state could start managing them. Well, when it hit that point, there was another 10 years of lawsuits from different wolf groups and things like yeah, that. to fight it, right. Yep, so... This went on for 10 years, so they went 20 years. Actually, I think the first hunting season in Wyoming was last year. Jeez. And um, it's, it's just really been a big devastation on the, on the elk and on the, on the um, moose. Yeah. And, and, you know, when I look at it, I just kind of compare it to, and over the last 80 years, 90 years, 70 years, the, the game out west have been um you know very professionally managed Mm -hmm. and over the last 30 years they've been micromanaged i mean these small areas these quotas um draw tags all of this stuff it's you know it's a complicated process to to look at a place out west and figure out you know what season you want because there's all these quotas and all these draws and um and so with all this management going on and keeping the numbers at a stable pay or place now you turn a bunch of um, wolves loose that are 150 pounds. They were never native to this area, right? Um, and it's just they're just um, running wild and um, just not only it's changing their, their entire patterns. And not only that, it's obviously you know you have a lot of you have a lot of um, wolves feeding on elk now. That's their that's their main game. Well, and that's the same thing. I wonder what the what the time span was from the initial introduction of wolves because it's just like anything else like we always make the comment here in some urban areas and i'm sure you've seen it too urban areas down here in michigan where deer can't be hunted 
they have zero fear of humans. You know, you see them walking around the suburbs and everything. They're like, oh, I can't get shot at. I got to avoid a car. That's about it. I wonder how long it took the initial snap once they released wolves for elk to be like, oh, shit. Like, there's something I got to worry about now. And I can only imagine the devastation that initial push would have done. Well, and there's, you know, the when they were first introduced, obviously the elk never um, – never seen wolves right. uh, yeah, before. exactly. What they seen was coyotes. Yep. So they would try to fight the wolves, initially fight the wolves like they did the coyotes, and that was a suicide mission Until for realizing there's a pack of wolves versus a coyote or two yeah. or, in, you know, a quarter of the size. Yeah, yeah. and then coyotes are only going to get to maybe 70 pounds, a really big one, and wolves yeah. are double, five feet, if six not more, feet yeah. Yeah, one of the things they did was the, the native wolves to Yellowstone Park are the, basically the same wolves that we have in the UP right now. Mm-hmm. There's different um, scientific names for them. I can't remember, but um, it was basically the gray wolf is, yep. is kind of the common name for it. And, or well, I shouldn't say that. They're all gray wolves. It's a, um, I don't know, what do they call the wolf in the UP right now? I can't Other remember. I know what you're wolf, talking about because they're talking there's different different subspecies right. of them from different areas really of the all, country. They're right? really all gray wolves. Right. But the one that they brought down and they um, released in Yellowstone was a northern species, which the the original species that was in Yellowstone was like the one in the UP. They're 70, 80-pound wolves. So weren't you – I think I know where you're going with this. So yes. they said they brought ones from more northern regions. What's our – Canadian. The, the, the term that I heard yeah. from some other person was like a super wolf. It's just a big wolf well, they, from a northern climate. Well, the layman's term or the, the term form is timber wolves, yeah. and um, they're a lot bigger. They're right. double the size. Eastern so, timber wolf. Gray wolf is obvious. like you mentioned, gray is the general – yeah. Some may be grays, others result from matings a long time ago, blah, 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 eastern timber wolf in northern Michigan. Okay. So okay. long story short, if you called it an eastern timber wolf or a gray wolf, that would be correct for Michigan. I'll figure yeah. out what Wyoming is. So, so, and, so and the reason they, the, their explanation for doing this is because this, the timber wolf in Canada mm-hmm. was the only wolf at the time, I believe, that wasn't on the endangered species list. Right. So they said, well, since it's not on the endangered species list, if we bring this wolf in, then we can, then we can better manage it with cattle and stuff. Right. But, you know, there was other um, people, there was other, I should say, reasons they brought those down is because actually they can get through the snow and they can chase the predators obviously a lot better. And right. They're, and they can, they can trim the population of elk a lot faster than uh, normal wolves. Well, which would. makes sense. Like you said, they're, mm-hmm. they're used to the used to the winter climate and everything like that, and they're used to tracking stuff down. So that's that's a big change. That's a huge change for that area. And you said, so, what, 20, 20 years ago, something like that, yeah, roughly I the believe. introduction? Yep, yep. And and you mentioned grizzly bears. Yep. And so I, I told you that we bought the place in 202, probably for the first 15 years, we've never seen a, a bear track. Northwestern wolf in Wyoming. Still yeah, gray wolf, but yeah. northwestern wolf. Okay. Yep. Never seen a, we did never seen a bear track for 15 years at our place. Over the last five years, well, elk hunting this year, we've seen grizzly tracks every single day we went out, everywhere we went. It's, it was just, no kidding. just incredible the amount of grizzly bears out there now. And really, they don't feed so much like the wolves on adult, from what I understand, on the adult animals, but um, they have a huge impact when they're calving. Okay. And um, so that's um, really, so they, now we have a 
low-hanging fruit. Yeah, more have, or less. Yeah, we have a huge grizzly bear population. It's just unbelievable the amount of grizzly tracks and people are still. Now this is gonna. They thought they were gonna open the season last year, but this fight I'm sure will go on for another ten years. Right. And I and I would say I probably seen twice as many grizzly tracks this year as wolf tracks. So you've seen a lot of tracks. Have you seen in person? While you guys yep. have out and around? Okay. Yes, I was um, a couple days, a couple days before Labor Day last year. I was charged by a grizzly bear. Oh, perfect! Grizzly bear with cubs, and a, I was in um, next to my um, side by side, my ranger, and was able to get into that, and it stopped right there. So I don't know if it was a fake charge or a right. full charge, but I was able to get into my ranger. And also last year, my son Travis and myself were walking through um, heavy timber, mm-hmm. and we heard one, we heard it wolfing down below us, it come up the side of us, we heard it wolfing again, just before we were able to walk out of the timber, we heard it wolfing again, and it was behind us about um, probably 30 yards. Oh, tr- walk, walking right around behind you. Jesus. That's, yeah, that's got to be pretty intense. Let's see what these two guys are doing here. There we go. Yep, I think we're back. Yep, we're back. We're making noise again. Sorry, I had to take a little break there. Yep, just making sure we're still good. Okay, so bluff chart. This one ran up to the edge of the side by side. So do you? I guess how did you walk up on it? Did you walk up on the Cubs first? Well, this she wasn't in a. She must have been in a bad mood because I um I actually we got a little bit of snow and I was driving down the trail and I seen a big track cross mm-hmm. and kind of head her direction so i'm assuming that was probably a boar or a male yep. going toward her and i didn't know she was down there so i just kept driving down the road and i found some other tracks heading back the other way so just wanted to kind of check things out i turned my um side by side around and started heading back up and this is on forest service road okay heading back up the road and and i see them over on the side of the road and they're off about probably 35, 40 yards off the side of the road. So I just kind of stopped, and mm-hmm. I was watching them inside the ranger. And she stands up on her hind legs, and then another cub was, one of the cubs was right next to her, and, and that stood up on its hind legs. I'm going, wow, what a cool picture, but I couldn't get the picture out the window. Yep. So I opened, and she was on the passenger side. So I opened the door, and I just kind of crept around the windshield and just about ready to take a picture. And she dropped down, and it was like a locomotive coming through she the She wasn't having it. Oh, snow was flying and mud was flying. By the, She was 40 yards away. By the time I jumped around, I didn't even get a picture, jumped around, jumped back in the um, vehicle, she was slamming on her brakes right next to the side of the range. No kidding. Really? Yep. I've heard they're very, very fast. Yeah, that's what I was oh. just going to say. They can cover some ground pretty quick. Oh, my gosh. It was just unbelievable. Wait, did you have a firearm or anything with you? I, I don't even know. If I did or not, I I probably did, but I wouldn't have been able to get any no. get to anything. Yeah. It was it, it it was like literally. I don't think it was two seconds. Yeah, and and she was right there. Well, you said what forty yards roughly, forty yeah. fifty yards. Yeah, that I wouldn't mean, be. They could cover that in nothing. Yeah, it's not yeah. very far. No. That's like a chip shot right there. Okay, so yeah. you've got you've got two big predators. Anything with mountain lions or anything out there that you've heard of or seen? There, or? there's actually a, um, quite a few mountain lions in the area. Okay, but. I've never seen one. We've seen a couple of tracks. Okay. But people do come up there. We see um, hound guys up there all the time with dogs. Okay. Not all the time, but, you know, once in a while driving up and down the roads. And right. they got the dogs in the back. But from what I understand, the area that we're in is a very difficult place to kill a mountain lion because of all the – there's 
couple rivers running through there. There's a lot of, lots of cliffs and high bluffs, and it's um, just real difficult for the dogs to I can see that. Keep scent it. for one. Well, and just and to, to follow them. Yeah, I mean, two they, to get to them. Yep, yep. It's insane it's, how they, they do that. I think it's on the meat eater uh, show or whatever. They're hunting cougars up in Canada, something like that. They have the GPS trackers on the dog collars, and they just yep. get them on a scent. Because uh, I remember uh, Steve Rennell asked, how do you know what you're tracking? He goes, well, based off of experience, you kind of get an idea on the size of the print of the cat. Like, okay, you know, generally a bigger print is going to be associated with the male. That makes sense, right? But that doesn't necessarily mean you don't have a big female, right? Or a small male kind of thing. But uh, they get the, the dogs, which are not very big dogs. They're uh, the... Um, uh, the they're hounds. I mean, yeah. they're, I yeah. can't remember what kind I of hound. Walkers, blue ticks. Yeah, they're, yeah. they use all kinds more or less. They, they have the thing. He goes, they get the dog on the trail. And once the the lead dog has the descent, he's like, they just take off, and he pulls up his little handheld GPS unit, and you can see him running through the woods. He's like, and then us as hunters, follow him. And I think he asks, like, what if they get too far away? He's like, well, they won't. They're on GPS. But there has been times where they've gotten literally in the car to drive down the road to catch back up to the dogs kind of thing. Yep. And then once they have them perched up in a tree, they literally, because what eventually happens, they, the, the dogs will roost the cat up in a tree. I don't know if that's a proper term, but it sounds correct. And um, they literally have to put long eyes on the cat to see if it's a male or a female, and if it's a male, they shoot it, which is not necessarily easy, too. Now, and then the question's like, well, what if it is a female? Well, you obviously get your dogs together, and then you get away quickly. <laughs> but I, the way that you do that, it just... It's not easy. Well, I mean, it, even though you're using the dogs to take you right to the cat, it's, you still have to hike your happy ass all the way through those woods. So it's like, and, oh yeah. And yeah. in all reality, that's probably the most efficient way I've heard to actually hunt them because people trying to just sit there and hope oh, it would that be one in, walks by. Yeah, good luck. Man. It would be impossible. Like I said, I, we've been out there for for years, and we catch them on. I've seen people that have caught them on trail trail cams. They okay. showed me pictures of them, but um, never seen one. In the, seen one in the They're um, wild. They're gonna know you're there. But, before you see them. Uh, well, I I do have my first um, lion story this year. All right, well let's go. We um, one of the things that we do out there in the summer is we we do a lot of fly fishing. Okay. And uh, what there's a lot of mountain lakes in areas, so we. We took a um, big drive on the four-wheelers, um, drove way back to the mountains, and then we hiked into this lake, and it was probably about a mile hike, and this is probably the third week of August. We were almost above tree line. All the trees are about three to four feet high, so, and it was all rocky. Hiked into this lake. Well, on the way in, we had to cross about three or four snowdrifts that were still up there on the mountains. Walked across these snowdrifts. There was nothing on them, no no tracks of any kind. And walked through there. On our way back, we're coming back. We're on the same trail. There is a mountain lion track about this big. When I say this big, the size of a softball or bigger, following our tracks going in. Oh no, kidding! Right in the snow. <laughs> so there was a lion following us in when we went in there fishing. So about how long were you guys sitting in there fishing? A couple know, hours, maybe. Yeah, a couple hours. But it definitely found you. Oh, it was watching us so yep. the whole time, I'm sure. Yeah, that's kind of freaky. Yeah, yep. I would say so. That's that's one of those things I'm like, th- there's, well, and then just based on what you're telling me, there's like three animals that I would not screw with in the wild. You mentioned all three of them are right around in the area. But I guess if you're if you're there and you're aware and cognizant of what's kind of going on, you can kind of alleviate a lot of that stress. But yeah. and, and hopefully you don't put yourself in a bad situation, like get between a sow and cubs or anything like that or startle them. Because I hear that's the vast majority of – of how accidents like that happen is you're you're 
tramping through the brush or whatever and you wander up on a sow with cubs or even a, a boar or whatever and startle it or whatever and they're they're trying to protect their area and just get pissed off like yep. what the one did two charge your side yep. by side yep sow with cubs or um really a lot of people are um getting charged getting um mauled is coming up on a kill okay you know, yeah i can see that if the if the grizzly's on a on a kill and you come up to it it's going to protect its kill and, i can understand that and the, entirely <laughs> and that causes a lot of um a lot of bad confrontations. It's it's not very often that you, although the it's a it's a pretty pu- um, publicized story about this guy. I think it was like two years ago, and he got attacked by a grizzly bear. He was up by Yellowstone somewhere. wasn't in the park, but he seen this grizzly bear like 80 yards away, mm-hmm. and it just moved in, and and nobody really knows why, but. That's um that's kind of a rare story. It's usually a surprise thing. Was the guy hunting or anything, or he just kind of saw it? I think he was elk hunting, okay. and he saw it, and um, actually he moved away, but the bear followed him. And Have you seen the one where the hiker got attacked twice by the same bear? The he, guy who he was walked out of the woods on yeah. his own. That's the one I was t- telling you. Okay. About. Yeah. His ears and like falling off. Yeah. His he, face. he put it on Facebook. Yeah. 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 He, he Facetimed. It was all. He he said that that was like a, in case he didn't make it kind of thing. He's like, I'm fine. I'm. He drove himself to the hospital. And I think he said his daughter was a nurse or something like that. Well, yeah, and I remember that story. So he, what was it? He got out, got a hold of somebody, his girlfriend or whatever, said, hey, I had a bad day on the mountain or whatever. Like, I, got he got attacked, a, I got attacked by a grizzly. You can see his arms all just punctured up. And he's like, ah, my arm's broken up pretty good, but I'm not bleeding too bad. And you can see he's doing all this talking, if you mm-hmm. haven't seen this. And he's doing all this talking on his phone, like in selfie mode, and just like, well, this kind of sucks, but at least I'm still alive. He's like, oh, there's a big old gash, and there's like a eight, nine-inch gash right behind his ear. His ears have got to, like, you can pull the skin away. And, yeah, I called my, called my girlfriend, told her not to panic. How do you not panic? I'm trying to remember the guy's name, because I, yeah. I remember watching his interview, too, a bunch of times. It's getting, it's getting to be a lot more common. There was a guy killed last year, probably about 20 miles from our house, and that was, it was the guy that was killed. He was with a hunter. And they were just gutting an elk. And wasn't he? And the, was wasn't that the guide? Yeah, the guide. You know, okay. He got killed. And then about five years ago, there was a guy that was mauled pretty bad. And this was only about four or five miles from our house. Oh, really? And um, he did everything wrong, though. He was a guy from Pennsylvania that <clears throat> shot an elk rifle hunting, went in looking for it the next day, didn't take bear spray, didn't take a weapon. Oh, you're kind of screwing yourself there. Stumbled upon this uh, um, grizzly bear with two cubs on his kill, and um, probably was like, was, "Hey, get away from my elk!" Yeah. We th- we thought the guy um, died, but um, evidently lived, and he's actually um, got things on YouTube too. It does he? But um, I knew the uh, there's a uh, friend of ours that lives up there. Her daughter was in on the um, search, the rescue, the with this guy and um he said after the attack he reached down picked up his nose put it in his pocket Oof. hoping that they could sew his nose back on but they couldn't and and like i said there's youtube things he's talking about it now but he was in the hospital from the beginning of october until about the end of january or end of december Oof, that's rough well yeah i mean i can only imagine he had a few hundred pound five six hundred pound animal if not more oh yeah easily that's pissed off and you're in its area or protecting the, its cubs or whatever. I can only the imagine. Lions one has been bad too on the west coast, like in Oregon. 
I know they were talking about it a lot, and you would see, um, uh, what's his name, Cam Haynes talk about it a lot on his social media, because you can't hunt mountain lions, or they're extremely limited tags there, and then they had three or four maulings in like a month period. Yeah. I don't think they all, I, I know a couple of them passed away, but you know, then they, there was a bunch of the activists or hunters saying, you need to let us be able to control these, these big cats. So that was going to be my next thing. Obviously in that area, I'm assuming they have a tag for grizzlies in that area. Well, Grizzlies, they um, were going to open it up last year. Okay. But then, again, because of lawsuits and stuff, they, um, they, they stopped it. Okay. They stopped it right before the hunt. They actually issued the tags. I think I remember hearing about that now. And, You're right. Um, You're right. And they ended it. Can you imagine it. drawing that tag and then being told you can't hunt? Well, another thing that was happening is um, there's quite a bit of money in Jackson Hole out in that area. A lot of – it's actually one of the, um, the highest income counties in the, in the country. Okay. Really? Because one of the reasons, it, well, it's it's similar to Aspen, mm -hmm. but there's no um, state income tax in uh, Wyoming. Okay. So a lot of billionaires will um, relocate to the Jackson Hole area, mm -hmm. and that'll be their their home, and they don't pay state income tax. But, anyways, so there's a lot of a lot of different organizations, groups um, in the Jackson Hole area, and they started up this group, and what they had thousands of anti-hunters and anti-bear hunters applying for the tags. The tags were like $2,200, and if they were drawn, then um, the, the organization would pay for the um, tag. I remember they, that now. Really? I've never heard yeah. of that. Yeah, I yeah. remember basically, yeah. and that's what you were saying, because it was such a limited amount of tags mm -hmm. as it was anyways, yeah. because they're more, they're more or less allowing a hunt. But it's not like they're. I think they gave out like five tags. Or exactly, like it was so limited. So they had everybody putting in to pay money to do this, and like yep. you said, it was it was an expensive tag. In that, I remember, yep. I just remember hearing yeah, that. They got say it. like three thousand anti hunters applied yes. for these five tags. Which and I know one of the guys that got it was in. His name's Mangelson. He's a famous um, photographer. Yep. And he's like one of the top people in this organization, and he actually drew one of the tags. But and, they didn't. So have, I and like that should be illegal. Well, and isn't it – you had to pay an application fee and stuff to go in for that as well, and then mm -hmm. whatever it is for the tag. So, I mean, but in, in a roundabout way, I mean, they made money off of it. They, they called off the hunt anyways, and it was actually they're using the, the same judge up in Montana, federal judge, that um, stopped the wolf hunting for, for years and years. So they took the lawsuit to him, and, you know, obviously he's, he's going to stop it for years and years too. Right. Bringing it back to Michigan, I saw today that Governor Whitmore is – she swore that she will never allow baiting in Michigan again. Did you see that? No, I didn't, I didn't see that at all. I just know that Although what I, they – That one is bringing up some uprise today on my social media. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen that. She's going she's gonna to veto that yeah, one. She does what it was. That was what it was yep. for. She promises to veto everything that comes across her, or across her desk allowing – wanting to allow deer baiting in yeah. Michigan. Which that'll get interesting. For the next I don't know. It's it's a it's a fence topic for me because I can understand why. I mean, as far as on my on my end of the spectrum, I get it. I wouldn't want legislatures like what they're having in Wyoming or Montana, a judge or or some a lawmaker or somebody be able to tell me what the DNR Natural Resource Commission, who actually does the research, can say. Hey, we have more than we need as far as population. Let's dwindle this down. Or somebody to say, ah, oh, well, let's allow baiting or not allow baiting and them just be a lawmaker and not know what they're talking about. Yeah. I kind of see that. It's a of very it. ignorant mm -hmm. statement. Did you read the article? No, I just heard about it. I read the article and it's, there's no reason 
there's really no reason behind why she wants to do that. She's just, I think it's a, I think it's a political stance. Like she knows if she does that stance, she's gonna get voters, kind of thing. Almost like how Trump did it with the wall. It's like, hey, I'm gonna build this wall, and then you get all these voters that are on the same page. Yeah. I feel like that's yeah. the stance she's taking. But there was that's nothing really in it. Like CWD came up in the article, but that's not statewide. <laughs> so it's like there was no. Well, that's the reason they stopped the baiting, right? Yeah, right. Because so of the CW. There was no real meat and bones to the article. It was just more like whatever author of the article was was just saying like, "Hey, this is what it is. Good luck trying." Yeah, and that's that's really one of the biggest controversies that's going on in our area right now out in Wyoming because they they do have CWD in Montana. They they have it in um, in Colorado. So to back up a little bit, there's a there's a um, national um, elk refuge in Jackson Hole, which okay. is about 70 miles west of where I'm at. And the reason they formed this national, um, it's on federal ground, the reason they formed this elk refuge is because the city of Jackson Hole, where it sits right now, is on their winter feeding grounds. This is their, um, their historic range where the elk coming out of Yellowstone in the winter and this they drop down in the altitude and this is where they um winter and feed well now it's the town of jackson hole mm -hmm. and there was really no place for these elk to go so like 100 years ago they formed this national elk refuge right outside of town fenced it all in you know the deer can come around the fence or not the deer but the elk and they feed these deer or these elk i don't know why <laughs> i keep saying deer they feed these elk all all winter okay in this national um refuge so there used to be about 10,000 elk coming out. Now the, the wolves have, have dropped that number to about 3,000. But now the CW thing is, thing is coming up. So they've decided the way to stop CW, the CWD from getting into the elk in this national refuge is they're going to quit feeding them. But the problem is with this area is there's no place for them to go. Right. There's gonna go to, they're going to go out on farmland that are in the area so then these what's ultimately going to happen these these farmers are going to get block permits and stuff to be able to start shooting the elk that are getting into their hay you know it's just going to be a massive die-off and it's a huge controversy that's going on right now out there well and now you're in how many of those elk who have been doing that migration and coming to that area for years are now going to get there and be like okay well let's find something to eat here yeah, somewhere. Well, the average age for well, the average age yeah um, I, I don't really know. I, th I think that there, it's probably around, um, you know, 10, 10. I mean, if they if they can get all the, from Yellowstone, all, you know, a Yellowstone mm -hmm. elk that's not hunted, um, I would imagine it's around um, that sounds 10, about right. 15 years. Like if you were to shoot a mature bull, what was the age of a ten, mature That's bull? about, yeah. what he's saying is ten about years, typical. 10 eight yeah. years, okay. 11 years. Yeah. Yep. yeah, somewhere right in that ballpark. Yep. Yeah, I don't know what's going to happen if they shut this um, this this feeding off because there's just really no place for these elk to go but they say it's better f you know they they're justifying it because they don't want them to get this this is what they're saying this cwd mm -hmm. it's but it's such a catch-22 topic to and, and you're, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't no matter which way you do need to work yeah. with politicians because they always compete with each other right politicians <laughs> are unfortunately the ones that can make things happen and conservations unfortunately cannot make things happen in the eyes of law, right? Yeah. So they just need to work together, and this goes for any state. If they work together, they'd be able to make, um, in a sense, rules and laws that everybody, that had more common ground. I wouldn't say that everybody would agree with, but there'd be more common ground to it. Because mm -hmm. right now the parties are at each other, right? You know, the lawmakers are like, well, it's this way, go screw yourself. 
and conservations are like, conservationists are like, well, that's not how this actually works. Right. You know, we'll talk to each other. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot of politics involved. You yeah. know, you have a lot of environmental group, anti-hunting groups, things like that, that are, you know, donating to the politicians. You know, on the and you have a lot of politicians that are anti-hunting, anti-gun. Mm-hmm. You know, and, um, you know, that causes a lot of the, um, the reasons for not going by. You know, the, letting the conservation officers or the letting the um, I should say it, biology or the, um, you know, or the research, research in, order, right. in order to let them do yep. what they've been doing yep. and what they have as far as data to show from behind it. Yeah, it's like kind of like what you said. It's like the people that made these rules about, you know, whether it was bringing in wolves, whether it was the not feeding, probably didn't even know the migra- migration patterns from Yellowstone to where they were going or where they were going next kind of thing. So what it's like, hey, here's the problem, here's how we solve it. They didn't understand it. So about how far you said so that how far would the Yellowstone area be from where you're at? From where My, yeah, mileage wise. At least well, ballpark. If you jumped in your car, you could drive to the southern entrance of Teton Park, which is between um Teton when you turn off you go through Teton from the southern, you go through Teton Park and then you go into Yellowstone. Okay. So really there's no hunting. Teton Park is just like Yellowstone. Okay, at the, so it's more area. or less an extension. Yes, sort of. yeah. Okay. So 30 miles, 20 okay, miles. Okay, so yeah. fairly close. Yeah. Yeah, this f- well close enough as far as for a migration or for even, uh, you know, an elk to go or a wolf to travel or something like that. Or Yeah, but uh, the elk in my area go to go to different areas. Right. And actually it's more natural areas where they're, they're not artificially fed. Right. I mean, we'll never have that situation there. It's, it's just in... You know, it's it's just defies common sense that they'll, you know, all these 10,000 elk have been coming into this feeding ground for 100 years, and now they're just going to stop feeding them. Right. And they say, well, we're going to wean them off it. Well, how do you yeah. how do you wean off 10,000 elk? Either from, you are you know, or you aren't, more or less. Yeah. <laughs> the, f- the first 9,000 are going to get all the food, and the last 1,000 are going to have to just starve. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah. That yeah. just seems so dumb. Well, I mean, it, 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 that's what you're talking about. You need people to start working together in order to figure this stuff out, in order to make a common resolution rather than just, nah, this seems like it'll work. Yeah, the C- CWD is a, is really an interesting thing, what's going on with all that. I I actually read an article just a couple of days ago while we're on the subject, and um, there's a, a scientist, and I can't remember his name. It starts, it starts with a B, but um, he came out... Um, with this big article and these big speeches um, just just a few months ago and saying that um, he's got a cure for it. That um, it's, he he totally disagrees with all the research that's going on. It's They say it's a protein-based um, illness and it's spread by, what are they, prions, I think is, yeah. is what it's called. But it's a protein-based illness. This is why they've not been able to isolate it or um, kill it. And he's saying, no, it's a, uh, bacteria-based illness. He's um, reproduced it. He said that he's going to be able to come out with a vaccine within, um, then by the end of next year, that people will be able to start using in deer farms. No kidding. He says he doesn't know how this could be administered to wild deer. Right. But he says this whole thing with, um, with this nose-to-nose and and you know this prions and not being able to stop the C- CWD 
is not true and it just hasn't been studied the right way which and in which in all reality i mean if you think about it like there's always been there's always been some sort of disease like there's there was ehd there's blue tongue you know, yeah. and, and these yeah. could all be misnomers or names for the same thing right and then cwd is the same one but i feel like as far as at least in our area it's, it's been out west a little bit longer but the cwd rage or craze has been the last few years mm-hmm. more or less every single year but I no, I mean it's been like actually prevalent last five years, six years. You know, it's been talked about oh, yeah. and been put into our regulations more or less as far as with baiting and in CWD areas and all the testing. But other than that, I mean, you're right. It really hasn't been studied for very long. It's it's more of a a pretty new disease as far as you know in, in mankind by by easily statement I should say. But I it, guess I didn't realize that it was affecting the elk out there too. Well, it hasn't affected any in Wyoming yet. I. Th- believe they found um they did find a case it hasn't affected them at all very much i think they found one case in colorado where they have an elk they found an elk with cwd but it can affect elk they well i I guess based on yeah should be able Mm. to it makes sense i mean they're they're both insensitive to your species so if they're I mean, I, I doubt it was a deer-to-elk, nose-to-nose touch or whatever it was, but the feeding yeah. thing could have provided some of that or, or exactly whatever it said. Well, this this article said that it's the same strand, the same thing that causes CWD, causes bad cow disease, okay. causes the thing with mink, causes the, it's it's basically the same um, type of bacteria that, you know, causes all these same diseases in these animals, and um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with this this guy wish i could remember his name unfortunately nothing is going to change though um unless they're able to find a vaccine or something in order a way to administer well how you minister to a wild herd of animals is what you do is put them in uh a crop duster and spray i don't know what yeah Yeah. and he even said he goes well this is way beyond my expertise i can't i have no idea how you would get this in a wild herd of animals, you but could, I, I guess I, you could though. You could deer farms. Be, I can totally, yeah. totally see the well, deer yeah, farm thing. Yeah. But actually, now I think about that, you know, because I think Michigan, right? We know that one county, well, let's say, but we'll say one county in Michigan is like your chances of shooting a deer with CWD in that county is extremely high, right? If you limit that area, you could you could spray every single field in a county. It would not be cheap, yeah. but you could do it. Yeah, you could do it, or you could bait all the deer in that county with, if you could get the um, the vaccine in the bait somehow. That's true too. Yeah, I which well, that's why I'm thinking if yeah. you spray, because if you spray a cornfield, you just mm-hmm. sprayed a giant vape pile. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that's also true. And you know, I mean, I'm thinking of it as a logistic method too, because first off, you're going to have a boatload of deer in a county. You're not going to know the answer to that question. So the first thing is, okay, where where do you get them? Water holes and food sources, right? Easiest way to uh, affect a major food source would be a uh, would be a, a crop duster, unless you did it mixed in with the seed, right? Because mm-hmm. then you're planting well, yeah. the vaccine, right? Which is, would make sense too. Water source, they dye the Chicago River green every year. Dye the rivers. Wow, right? yeah, I mean, that would just be a lot more expensive, and yeah. you don't know the side effects that's going to have on other animals too, or yeah. people, <laughs> for and that you, matter. And you know what this the CWD too the you know my personal view and i've you know i didn't make this up i've heard this other people talk about this is it is it better to have say in a county um say three thousand bait piles where all these deer have all these different places to go versus maybe three or four or or, um 
two or three hundred different spots for them to eat. It, it seems like that the, the more people that bait, the better. Because to spread, them out. to spread the deer out and affect less deer than one um, certain yeah. area in the winter where deer have to congregate to. Right. Yeah, because if you keep baiting, you're going to keep the deer where they're at. Rather, mm-hmm. when you're not baiting, they're going to wander they're around travel to everywhere. some extent, right? Because right. the farm yeah. fields, obviously, are going to be the farm fields. Yeah. Like this year, our, on our property, the north side, our north side farm field never got planted because of the weather we had. And there's corn and beans on the south side of our property. There's not a single deer within a mile <laughs> hypothetically that's an exaggeration of the north side of our property like good luck seeing a freaking deer up there <laughs> yeah. but and it's just because the food source south of them right so it's kind of like okay um there's no food source there they're going to go to where the food source is that's limited because those deer aren't going to migrate like an elk would right they're, they're wandering animals but they mm-hmm. don't migrate so i like i actually never thought about that Never thought about, like, well, if you keep baiting, does it solve your problem? Because then all you're really going to do is you're going to over-contaminate one area, and then at that some point, they're all going to die off. <laughs> know what I mean? Yeah. To an extent. Yeah. yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Obviously, that's not a perfect solution by any means, but I never thought of it that way. Yeah. And the other thing with the elk out west, you know, with this, these feeding grounds, if you ever looked at, if you ever watch elk out west or see pictures of them, they, they feed nose-to-nose all the time. Yeah. Whether they're, whether they're they feed like cattle whether they're um, on a bait pile or not, elk are always, uh, they're Touching tight. at some point. Yeah, they're tight group herd animals. And, you know, they don't, uh, you know, you watch deer, you, you throw food out for deer and, and the dominant doe and different does will be chasing everything off all the time. And um, it's not the case with elk. They, they feed like cattle. Yeah, yeah well, and that and, makes a lot of sense, especially yeah. when, when you see a herd of, of elk out in a field or whatever, that's exactly what it is. They've all got their heads down. They're all moving yeah. in the same direction, kind of wandering back and forth between each other. Yeah. So it'll be it'll be interesting to see. And I, hopefully I, it doesn't make a big role like it's affecting the white tail. And honestly, Michigan's not even the problem state with CWD. It's the, more your Wisconsin, um, yeah. Illinois, uh, Missouri, a little bit west of us. I mean, it's still, don't get me wrong. Wisconsin's pretty good. It's big pretty big. States, in, but it's but not our, it's yeah, not I think the they have state. a problem with it in Colorado. Some of the western states too. Yeah, it's, it's in a lot it's, of the states, but yeah. like the epicenter is mm-hmm. just on the west side of Lake Michigan. Yeah, like I know. I know they're starting to put yeah. CW, CWD testing areas all over the place over there. And as far as like actual, uh, I forget where it was, but I saw like an actual like forty yard dumpster mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. throw everything in when you're done with oh. the deer. Oh, the other thing, this guy, um, the scientist that I was telling you about, um, said he's going to develop is a um, test kit that all it is is a piece of paper and when you shoot a deer all you got to do is drop a drop of blood on this piece of paper and it'll turn color and tell you right away if it's got cwd or not that would be handy before it would, it would make sense because if it, it is in the blood and if it is a bacterial thing yep you know you know right away yeah. yep well well what's your plans for next year are you hoping to draw some different tags next year yep just start applying and actually just because of all the predators in the area i think that's had a a big impact on the on the game in our area. I'm um, going to do a lot of research this this winter and um, maybe find some other spots. I'm going to be hunting in Wyoming, but I'm looking for something um, a lot farther east or um, northeast of where I'm at, okay. where you don't have the have the predators. One of the other things that's that's affecting the hunting up by us that we've seen the last couple of years is the the elk aren't as vocal. 
Well, and I was going to bring that up of, earlier because of the bears and the wolves right. and everything. The more noise that they make, they're basically sounding off their location. Everywhere. Exactly. Actually, a couple of times last year, uh, we started bugling and um, we got wolves, wolf packs going off. Really? From the bugle. So. Really? Yep. And and it's pretty common. You can you can read a lot of articles about that. That uh, if there's a lot of predators in the area, the It'll um, really shut the elk up as far as the bugling. That makes it makes a lot of sense. Hmm. I wouldn't I to go put a siren on the head. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, w- I wouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't be going and making a bunch of noise if I knew there was something yep. coming up trying to sneak up hey, behind me. Hey, I'm over here. Yeah. Hey, come find me. Yeah, pretty much. Right. <laughs> so because of the predators, I am. Even though there's still a lot of elk in the area, I'm gonna probably be looking for a different spot. Okay. A little bit farther east of me. When's the next trip back out there? The, over the holidays. Okay. For Christmas. Um, Christmas. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Which will be getting here real fast. Is there any open season? I think wolf is still open till the 31st of <laughs> December, but the quotas on those are just ridiculous. I mean, as I mentioned, there are wolf tracks. You, you don't see a lot of wolves because they've pretty much turned nocturnal. Yeah. But you see wolf tracks everywhere. In in my area, um, the, I think the quota was one. Oh, no And that kidding. got filled. I can drive just a little bit, and I think the quota was like 12 but yeah, so no no i'm sorry not 12 6 but i don't um i haven't checked it you're supposed to check every morning before you go out you can check on the internet if the quote is filled right. so the way they do it is everybody can buy a tag yeah you can everybody can buy a tag over the counter but you have to get on the internet and check to see if the quote is filled so as soon as the quote is filled one day well and the then you know i think they probably figure for a yeah. little bit of overlap if it happens yeah. on the same day or within 24 hours they're not going to say too much but yeah I see what you're saying, though. They just don't want you to go shoot an elk or a wolf every single day. Right. They probably have you report it, too, if you, if you, if you yeah. shot. Yep. You, you yeah, to, you right? have to report a wolf within 24 hours. Well, like, I mean, yeah. if it, even if you get to report it, like, say I shot one at night or whatever, would I have to report the shot even if I didn't find it until the next day? Well, you're supposed to find – you're supposed to um, – legally, you're supposed to report it within 24 hours when yeah, you so get you it. you better find that thing right away. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, or the next morning, like yeah. we said, yeah. shoot one at night. Yeah, that was the question. Yeah. If, yeah. if you overlap a day. that's a, yeah. That brings up a good question. Can you, so is it just like here, deer hunting during daylight hours, sunrise to sunset or whatever, can you hunt wolves at night or no? I don't believe you can hunt wolves at night. I know you can um, coyotes yep. and other predators. I don't think you can wolves. I okay. think that's a. Um, just curious. Yep. Makes sense. That'd be hard. Yep. That'd be a hard animal to hunt. That, yeah. That's right. something that I'm shooting with a big gun from a long ways away. <laughs> yeah. Yep. I'm going to get a helicopter to go recover. It. <laughs> like, it's, I don't know, I'm not a big fan of wolves. I mean, they're cool, they're beautiful, majestic animals, but, like, you'll never find me applying for a wolf deck. Yep. Well, actually, Brian was out. It was first time this, first and only time this happened to us. Brian was out elk hunting with me a few years ago, and we were walking down this trail, and I was cow calling, and there was a wolf about 75 yards off the trail and howling. And this thing, we never saw it, but this thing was followed us up the trail for probably a mile, and it was howling um, probably like every, very frequently. No every kidding. minute, it would let out a um, big howl. No Sound, kidding. It probably sounded really close, too, didn't it? Oh, it's, yeah, yeah. It's probably and, deafening at that close. And there was, um, we were in the snow, there was wolf tracks all around. Yeah. So. so they'd been around. Yeah. Be sitting there with my carry, my semi-automatic assault <laughs> yeah. rifle that I don't own, but I'd have one for that. And then my long rifle. <laughs> and, and spray for wolves. Yeah. I'd, have it. <laughs> actually, the, um, I don't, I think there's only been like one or two um, 
attacks on humans by a wolf in the from in what the I've been US, told, they're but, very scared yeah. of people, just like coyotes. But, coyotes are terrified yeah, of humans. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 being around the bears are a lot more dangerous than the wolves. Yeah, yeah bears will come after you. And the, the cats are a big question mark. Yeah. You, you don't know. You know. Like I said, that's the first time that I've ever seen one follow, follow me as many times as we've walked into lakes. But I don't know that there's been that many times where I've walked through the snow and followed myself back the exact same way. That's so. true, too. He might have might have been off track just a little ways. Who was that yeah. one guy that killed one with his bare hands? It was a juvenile. Oh, yeah, it was in Colorado. Strangled it. Hear that Did one? you hear about no. that one? It was this year. The guy was, was, guy was, was hiking year. or a trail running or something Strangled. like that. Strangled. So it's a, it was a immature mountain lion. Was like stalking a, him. Yeah, was stalking him and jumped up on him. And he basically he took it. I mean, it was like a 50 or 60-pound cat. So it was nowhere nowhere near full full grown. The man was able to outpower the, the, the cat. And, and, he, and he killed it. He killed Put it. Put it in a chokehold. He he legitimately strangled it and killed it. <laughs> wow! Pictures pictures of it, the cat and everything. The guy running by himself, um, running down the trail. Apparently, always wears headphones. I remember I remember hearing the story. Always wears headphones. Didn't wear headphones that day for some reason. Was just going along, and the next thing he knew, just thing popped out at him. It was a big article thing. This, yep. this was actually just before all of the ones started happening in Oregon. Because yeah. That was like because that was I think the second or third attack. It was this summer, I think. Yeah, and uh, he wasn't trying to claim that he went. No, 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 no. He's, that he's, was more the media that blew that one up. But That's still very hard to believe. I, you say only a 50 or 60 pound? Yeah. Try strangling a 30 pound raccoon. Try try, or, try overpowering know, a six pound cat. I mean, yeah. that's not. That's, yeah. Yeah, no, and that's and it was the same mm-hmm. thing. Like, he got back, um, called the, I'm not DNR, but whatever Colorado's version of Parks and Wildlife mm-hmm. is, told them where it was. They ran out. Cat was there. Cat was laying dead in the middle of the trail. He did say he got really lucky. Yeah. Just how it panned out. He just ended up getting his hands around his neck. And wow. That's it, it was more or less like, from what I understood, it was like a big bear hug. He was laying on the ground from the backside and just ha- wrapped around it. And thing, things stopped moving. Can you imagine that? No. Those things still have some big old freaking teeth. No, and that's the thing, too. He says that's what really got – he was scratched up. I mean, it wasn't like he came out unscathed, but he was scratched up a little bit and said that's the whole thing is I tried – once we realized what was going on, I tried to roll around to the back of it so it wouldn't, like, kick like a cat does and dig its claws into my stomach or anything like that. He's like, I got lucky in the whole thing. Jeez. Amazing. No, I didn't read about that. Yeah. Well, if we find it, we'll have to send yeah, it to you or something. It, yeah. yeah, it was it was pretty impressive. Yeah. But, Anyways, I, I, told, I was telling Travis, I was like, yeah, on my Colorado hunt, I'm taking a pistol with me. He's like, you're not going to need it there. I'm like, I don't give a shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking something with me. Yeah, they don't have grizzlies or wolves yet. I think they're just, the wolves are just starting to migrate into, See, into Colorado. Boom, that's the reason I'm taking <laughs> yeah. it. See? <laughs> I ain't playing no games. But thank you very much for coming in. Mr. Greg, um, what's your, uh, the, uh, the shop here? Call again. Sage Home Decor. Perfect. Just south of... About three blocks south of the light in Oxford. Yeah, Facebook. Yep. Um, yep. What's the website? Just.com? Um, we don't have a website for Sage Home, just a, just a Facebook site just right now. Facebook. Yep. Perfect. Just feel free to stop on in. I know our wives went in there. Yep, I, I know Allie's been in there. I think she went in when it was down here. Okay. No, they went in the yep. new one. Did she? When they went, uh, did their whole thing. Like, we oh, were honey. yep, that's <laughs> right. Okay. Cool. Thanks Perfect. for coming in. All right, thanks, Greg. Okay, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Fun.